indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for this last decade. This is our first Sunday in the decade. Can you believe that? Not just in the year, but in this next decade. And uh, that's an exciting thing to think about, you know, to wrap uh, our heads around. We have been together as a church actually for a decade too. We just celebrated that in October. And so this is decade number two for Axis Church. And this is our first uh, Sunday together in the new decade 2020. And we're talking about 2020 vision, uh, talking about having 2020 vision and really asking for God's vision for us as individuals, as a church. And so 2020 vision is this idea of really uh, leaning into the next decade, leading into the next decade, seeking God's perfect vision for each of us. Uh, so I just spent some time this morning, honestly, in my office just giving thanks for the last decade. And God's done a lot of really great things in this past decade. And uh, so many things we can talk about and so many things you could think about if you just spent some time sitting back and really reflecting on the decade. A lot happens in a decade. Uh, I had a lot less gray hair a decade ago. Uh, and I was I'm looking back at pictures. And uh, I didn't have three kids a decade ago. I'd just gotten married a decade ago. Um, and uh, so... Uh, that's not a picture of me, by the way. Um, <laughs> but since we're leading that direction, um, <laughs> Stephen did something uh, when, we, when we had our, uh, our birthday celebration together and we were celebrating the decade where he looked like backward a, a few decades. And he's like, hey, guess who these people were a few decades ago? I thought it'd be fun to kind of look into the peer into the future a little bit. So let's just see what three decades does to some people you know around here. Okay, so uh, anybody know who that is? It's JB. So there's JB uh, a few decades from now, actually in 2050, according to the, the science of this app. Hannah, actually, is that, that's pretty good for like three decades, right? You know? Um, so that's Hannah. Uh, there's Emily three decades from now. She's not going to like that I did that. Jess is like, don't. She's going to hate you for that. And uh, so there's Ryan. He actually, he's like George Clooney, like three decades from now. So it's not too bad, you know? Uh, and there's Steven three decades from now. And uh, he's still spiking up his hair three decades from now, too. He's got the same hairdo. I love that. And here's what my wife is going to get the, the luxury of looking at here in a few, three decades. So yeah, what it, it is what it is. I actually showed her that picture, and she's like, you're not going to look like that in three decades. So I, whatever that means, maybe she's trying to reassure herself. I don't know. Uh, but, but there it is. Uh, there's something that all of us have to come to grips with, and I really, as we're heading into a new decade, I want to tee this idea up for you, and that's this. Aging is inevitable. The more time that we spend on planet Earth, each day that we spend on planet Earth, we're getting a little bit older. Aging is inevitable, but truly living is not. Now, really ponder on that idea because it's significant when you think about it, right? All of us are getting older, but that doesn't necessarily that all of, mean that all of us are getting closer to living our best life. And that's really what we're talking about throughout this series. And so regardless of what happens tomorrow, aging is inevitable, but truly living is not. Time will pass. Joints will ache. I can tell you that my joints ache a lot more in this decade than they have in previous decades, right? Wrinkles are going to come. As much as we fight it with our anti-wrinkle creams, and wrinkles are going to come, and that's a good thing. It was by design, right? Our bodies are going to break down over time. And just when it, we think about the circumstances of our lives, those are going to change, right, throughout the decades. Um, and, and we know that to be true. We have seen that to be true. All of us will grow older, but not all of us will have grown wiser. Not all of us will have gotten better and stronger. Not all of us will live fully. But we all have the capacity to. 
Aging is inevitable, but truly living is not. Last week, I like what Andrew did for us, and really, um, it was a standalone kind of a weekend. I'm like, preach on whatever you want to preach on, but he really set this idea up well. If you were here last week, Andrew talked about the source of fully living, so getting back to the source of fulfillment, and he talked about Jesus being the source of fulfillment, and he did just such a great job uh, speaking into that. He talked about how Jesus' heart for his people were, he talked about Jesus' heart for his people when he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so this understanding of that Jesus came so that we can live fully, right, uh, in the way that he wants us to live fully. And so over the next several weeks, what I want to do is bring into view what it means, and we're going to bring into view what that means for us as individuals, for our church, for our community here in Mason and Middletown and beyond, and what we believe that God is calling us into. And so uh, I think it's an important way to start out together. And so we just want to enlist God's uh, help as we do that. Let me just pray into that, and then uh, we'll, we'll speak into that a little bit this morning. God, we just want to ask that very thing. God, we want your vision for our future. We want your vision for our future as individuals. We want your vision for our future as uh, for our families, for our church, uh, and for our community and beyond. Lord, we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Helen Keller one time said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And, and that is true. Because when it comes to our future, we've got to have a vision and understanding and a hope in our future. The Bible talks about this all the time. And so let's just define it for just a second. When we're talking about vision, what we're talking about is being able to see beyond what is into what could be. Right? It's the very nature of hope, being able to see beyond what is into what could be. And we want to have this kind of vision for our lives and vision for our future. It's what my wife is so good at when it comes to like spaces. And you know, we bought a house and we're trying to take this fixer upper that is not much to the eye right now. And she tells everybody, just it's, it, don't worry. I know what it looks like right now, but here's this vision that I have. And she could speak this vision about, and I'm like, I don't get it, but I believe you, and here's the budget, you know? And uh, here's what we have to make that vision come about. And so um, we need to have the same kind of vig- vision for our lives. I believe that we have an imaginative God, and God's vision really is the best version. Uh, God's vision is the best version. The Bible says, Now to him who is able to immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, to him be the glory. That's why we seek his vision, because his vision is the best version. And the question as we get started today is, do you really believe that? Not just do you know that, not just have you heard that, not just are you hearing what I'm saying to you, but do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God's vision for your life is the best version of your life? And do you live in such a way that you believe that? Do you believe that God truly can do immeasurably more than we could even possibly ask or dream up on our own? Because if you do, that changes the trajectory of the next decade and the decade after that and the decade after that. And the content of your life. So the first question I think that naturally asked then is, okay, what is God's vision for my life, right? What is God's vision for my days? What is God's vision for me? And I just want you to think for just a second about this idea that we really do serve an imaginative God. I mean, think about it. Not only did he conceive all that we know in his own imagination, he spoke it all into existence. He has a vast imagination for you and for me as well, for each of us in this room. God has an imagination for what your life could be. 
And so the first thing I think we need to wrap our heads around is what is God's destiny? God's destiny. An often quoted verse of Scripture, and you've probably heard it before uh, a time or two, is Jeremiah 29, 11. Often we cite this Scripture when we're talking about vision. And this was a specific vision for Jeremiah, but in many ways it applies to us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This was specific prophecy for Jeremiah, but it's very much true for you and me. But the question that I don't think we often stop to ask is, what does God have in mind when he wants to prosper us? Because we say, yeah, God wants to prosper me, right? He wants to, to bring about good things in my life, and all of that is true. But I think sometimes we lay our definition of what prosperity looks like or what it means to prosper on top of a verse like that, and we say, God's going to get me a Lexus in 2020, right? Like that's, I'm going to keep praying that God gets me a Lexus in 2020 or whatever, that looks, or it's, it means that my house is going to get bigger and my, I'm going to accumulate more stuff, or hey, my life's going to get a whole lot easier, or there's the pursuit of happiness is going to come about. Because that's what prospering truly means But what if in God's definition Because he's the one that does more than we could possibly ask or imagine What if God wants more for you than just bigger stuff Or shinier things What if God wants more and has imagined more for you than that Yes, I love, I think that God gives graciously And everything that, that he blesses me with I, I go back to him and say God, God, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, right? But I don't think we should fixate on small things when God has a much more active imagination for what he wants to do in our lives. He has more in mind. Now, the rest of this passage that we sometimes just drop out of context is this in Jeremiah 21, 29, sorry, 12 through 14. It gives us a little bit more specific context because what's happening here is the people of God are in exile. They've been banished from the kingdom, right? They're outside of, in, in, in many ways, the, the physical ruling place of where God has placed them. And so um, what's happening here is he's saying, look, I know you're in exile, I know you feel bound right now, but let me tell you something. There's a day coming when you're going to prosper, and I'm going to bring about this kind of prosperity. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek with all of your heart. I will be found by you. And so central to this definition of prosperity is finding God, right? And that he, we, he will be found by us. And he will bring us back from captivity. And all of us, in one way or another, are in captivity from sin, right? And so God's destiny for us is to be free of those things. It's so much more than just having more stuff. It's freedom, right? It's living unencumbered in the way that we were meant to live. I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And so the context that Jeremiah and God's people were in exile, and God's saying, I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to bring you home. And that's my destiny for you is to be reunited with me. And what we find is that true prosperity is found in God's presence. And we just sung about that a little bit ago, right? True prosperity is found in God's presence. I will be found by you. The destiny of those who are united with God is a prosperous one. It involves hope and a future. And that's what we got to start imagining for this next decade because vision takes imagination. How are we to expect God to give us more than we ask or imagine if we do so little asking and so little imagining? We, uh, we got to 
the kind of things we do as a family down in Kentucky when we go for the holidays is we throw axes uh, at large boards. And so this was kind of the fun that we got to have a little bit together. And we're like, let's do some axe throwing. And so um, for, Jess is actually really good at it, which, and we had this like, like score, of course, it's going to be a competition, right? And so she's just beating me like every round, and I'm getting frustrated a little bit. I'm like, why am I so bad at this? And the first round of games, I got zero axes to stick to the board. And so when in doubt, like my motto is, if you're not doing well at it, just apply more power, right? Like it just, I just, I'm not throwing it hard enough. And I'm like the one that's whipping that thing over. So I'm just applying more power, throwing harder and harder. And the things just don't flopping off the, like it's hitting that board hard. I'm about to bust through the board, but I'm not sticking it to the board, which is like the whole objective of axe throwing apparently. And so finally I was like, I'm from like, you know, whatever, like I got zero axes, you know, stick. And Jess is just trying to like encourage me a little bit. And she's like, I'm like, how, by the way, how are you so good at this? She's like, oh, I watched a YouTube video on it. I'm like, you watch a you you watch a YouTube video on it like to give me some tips then and she's like well and one of the tips that really stuck out to me she's like well you got to flip the wrist a little bit this that, and the other and it's like, okay I don't know. you know and say so she's like but mostly you have to visualize it is one of the things they said in the tip like you got to actually visualize yourself hitting the board I'm like yeah right you know like I just if I just imagine that I hit the board I'm gonna hit the board right like I, I'm not a believer in, in that and uh sure enough though like I started like picturing like, okay flip the wrist and it's got this many rotation you start visualizing and I didn't hit every time but I got a whole lot and I was out there for like the next three hours everybody's like moving on everything else, and I'm just like one axe after another like okay visualize it you got this it's not good to close your eyes when you have an axe in your hand by the way but you know just start and I started getting better and I started moving away from just forcing it to really visualizing and imagining it and using a bit of finesse right which really isn't necessarily my strong suit and I think that really when it comes to our future, we have not spent enough time visualizing the things that God would have for us. We don't spend enough time to take a step. We live so much in the day-to-day and the hustle and bustle that we don't have a long-term vision for our, our, ourselves usually. I, I think this is true of me. Maybe it's true of you. How much time have we spent imagining what God might have in store for us? Mark Twain once said, you can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. I think we have to have a bit more imagination of what is possible because vision it takes uh, imagination. How much more important is it to envision what God has in store for us? And so let me just encourage you to begin imagining your future in terms of some goals that I believe that God has for you. And this isn't exhaustive. This is just to get you started. And so what if you spent a little time this week and beyond throughout the course of this series thinking about some of these categories? Spiritual maturity is one. Living a life that, of, of growth. What does that look like for you in the next decade? Because I think God wants that for you. What about relational vitality? I think God wants more for your relationships. And we're going to talk more about that throughout the series. Living a life relationally centered, uh, a relationally centered life. Emotional stability, right? And I talk about just a generation that needs some emotional stability. When the Bible talks about joy and what that looks like, not based on circumstances, but is an emotionally stable uh, thing that is grounded uh, in Christ, living a joyful life. And then lastly, and we'll continue to talk about this throughout the series, is I think that God wants uh, us to find missional priority, which is really where we can find purpose, right? And we're going to talk more about that. But asking this question uh, a little bit more asking God to stir our imaginations for all that he has conceived for us so that we don't think small, right? Or just apply more power. I'm just going to try harder, right? Maybe we're trying harder in the wrong direction, 
right? Maybe we're applying force in the wrong direction, and God has something different imagined for us, all that he can ask or imagine. And so the, the next three things I just want to speak to here just a little bit is if that's true, if God has a destiny like that for all of us in mind, how do we get to said destiny, right? How, how, do, I, how do I get there? Because a lot of us, I'm just guessing probably, we start out in a good way, and then like, you know, come 10 days from now, we start to feel stuck again. Like, I had so much envisioned and imagined, but I'm stuck. Like, why am I not getting there? And I think the reason is there's three components that are important that are going to help us get there. But often these components pull in different directions. And when I think about getting to God's destiny, we need God's desires. We need to make God's decisions, and we need to take God's direction. That will ultimately, desires, decision, and direction, and not just speaking on the spiritual but beyond, will dictate our destiny. Desires, decisions, direction will dictate our destiny. But often what happens is our desires pull in a different direction than our decisions and our direction and so on and so forth. Or maybe two of these are pulling in one direction and one of these is slowing us down a bit. And so I want you to think about these three things as three horses that are linked up, that are pulling in the same direction toward your destiny. And so we need these things to align. So let's talk about each here uh, for a few moments. The first is this, right desire. If you want God's destiny we need to have the right desires. Our desires are powerful predictors of our destiny. They're powerful predictors of our destiny. You know, I just now, you guys are going to, some of you are going to give me a hard time for this, but I just now got around to, like, watching some Star Wars movies. Like, I, I just figured out, it's actually pretty good. You know, I'm like, I'm getting into it a little bit, and I got this, this guy gave me the order to, like, watch them in, which apparently there's lots of theories on what order you watch them in. So I'm, like, watching, uh, I believe, four, five, and six. Some of you are like, that's wrong. You're already off to a bad start. Uh, but that's, the, that's what somebody told so I'm, like, four, five. But, and I'm, I haven't, I'm not, like, to the, like, you guys, some of you went and saw the new one, the, the rise. Like, I don't even know anything about that yet, so don't tell me. Uh, but all I know is I can already, I, I know that, and if you don't know this by now, then you, too bad. Uh, but Darth Vader is, you know, Luke's dad. Like, I was like, whoa, that's a crazy one, you know. Or, or, yeah, so that's crazy. But what you start to find out is that Darth Vader was actually good at one point, right? Like, he, he actually had all of the opportunity to be something different, and the dark side sort of took over, right? And we start to understand more of the dark side. And Luke has the same opportunities for good and evil, yet his destiny couldn't be more different. So we see two different destinies, right, uh, here. Um, and a lot of that has to do with this, these desires that, uh, that begin to happen with them. And so all of us, we understand that this is at work in our own life, right? Sometimes our desires sabotage, sabotage us, and we know that this is really the aim of the enemy. And so we have to realign our desires with God's desires. We all have seen the impact of pride, power, and pleasure, and how those things can draw us away from God's destiny in our lives. And so there's this constant process of saying, God, align my desires with your desires. I want what you want. And so the question that I first want you to think about is this, what desires rule your life? What desires rule you? As you think about your destiny and what God has, we have to be asking this question, well, what desires are ruling my life right now? And I can't answer that question specifically for you, but it's an important question to ask, and it's a question I have to continue to ask myself as well. Because desires can rob your destiny, but they can also do the opposite. Right desires can unlock our true destiny. David understood the importance of aligning, <coughs> excuse me, our heart with God's. 
He says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I might live according to your truth. Give me purity of heart so that I might honor you. With all of my heart, I praise you, O Lord. I give you glory to your name forever. Your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depth of death. And so he understood, he understands that, hey, this is the result if I chase my death is what God has rescued me from. And so I want his desires to rule in my life. What desires rule in your life? Solomon also understood this vital task. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Our destiny hinges on allowing God uh, to plant the right desires in us. We were just talking about here in a minute, God, I don't want to resist your love. I'm not going to resist your love, God. I'm not going to resist the things that you have for me. God, give me right desire. I want more of you in my life. It takes the right desires, but it also takes right decisions. Because we might have great intentions, right? But we need to have decisions that align with those intentions. It takes more than right desires. It takes right decisions. Right decisions um, are, are important, really, in, in every area of life. We actually, uh, we start a new tradition for New Year's Eve this uh, last year, actually. And uh, we just say, well, you know what? It's the last, uh, sun, like, last uh day of the year, what we're going to do is we're going to, like, pick all of our favorite things, and we're just going to, we're going to eat those things. Like, it's, it's how we're going to, like, celebrate the, uh, the year is we're going to go, what are all of our favorites, and we're going to, and so this year we changed it up a little bit, and we had, like, a drawing where, like, you would draw, one person drew a dessert, one person drew an appetizer, one person drew um, a, uh, a side dish, and one person drew, like, the dinner, like, the, the main dinner entree, and uh, when you have, um, you know, a six and a three-year-old, this could get interesting, right? And in fact, it did. Uh, and uh, this looks like, this is what our spread looked like right here. Uh, you see some, it's like, so Eli picked first, and or Aiden picked first, and uh, he got the side dish, and he's like, McDonald's french fries. I'm like, we're off to a great start. Here we go, like McDonald's fries. What are we going to build around me? And Jess pulls, she got dinner, and so she picked Indian. I'm like, oh, great. Indian, which is very creamy and rich, McDonald's french fries. What I picked, spinach dip from Cervati's, which you can see. Was and then Eli had dessert, and he's like, brownies. We got under brownies. And uh, so this was, this was our, this is our decision making for New Year's Eve. And just, you can just ask me how I felt, how we all felt on January 1st. It was not good. It was not good. Left to our own decisions, sometimes we, we don't end up where we want to end up, right? We Left to our own decisions, uh, we, we sometimes uh, see, can see the disaster of that unfold, right? I know, I don't know about you, but I've made my uh, fair share of bad decisions, um, you know, and even, even in one day, right? You get like, man, like, you know, there's enough bad decisions sometimes in one day, some in my life big, some small. And the beauty of the gospel is that none of us have to be defined by our past decisions, right? And, and one decision doesn't have to define you. So you're like, you know what? I've blown it. You know, sometimes we think this way, like that decision is going to haunt me the rest of my life. But that's the difference in the gospel is that we get the opportunity at any moment in time to make one right decision that can set into motion a whole bunch more right decisions that will ultimately start sending us in the right direction. And our decisions then begin to form a new pattern of living, the one that like Paul speaks about in Romans 12. And I read this passage a lot, but I love it. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Right decisions. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What if that became a life verse for you in the next decade? 
What, what if it didn't just become a light? Like, what if it became, that's the verse that I'm going to do. I'm just going to do that one. Uh, because I think much of the rest of Scripture would fall underneath that to really serve us well into the next decade. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God, we want your thoughts, not our thoughts. Solomon, uh, when he took on the mantle of leadership, as you can imagine, he was following uh, in some big footsteps with his, his dad, David, uh, and he's taking on the kingship. And uh, he had this prayer that he prayed, and I thought it was an admirable prayer, and so much so that I've sort of adopted it. Give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And I think in all of our endeavors, we should be thinking that way, right? Like, I just need your, and every morning, maybe like when you go into the workplace or you go into the office or you just wake up to parent your kids for one more day, give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? God has entrusted us with many things. Are we seeking his mind on those things? Are we seeking his decision-making on those things? Lord, give us understanding. You see, if we want to prosper, it will take right desires, but it will also take right decisions. And finally, those decisions give way to right direction in our life. And you know this because it's in the Word, but direction requires some new movement, right? That we got to start moving in a new direction. If we want new things to happen, we can't keep doing the old, the same old over and over again. We've got to take on the new and God is all about newness, isn't he? I mean, look at all the times in Scripture where it speaks to newness. So one final question to consider is, what direction is your life heading? What direction? The movements that you make, the actions that you take, what direction is that taking you in? Is it taking you closer to God's destiny or further from? It's going to be one or the other. So are you moving closer to God's destiny or are you moving further from it? Saul, the murderer who became Paul, the evangelist, understood this when he writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We need to continue to lean into that direction for our lives, that, that God is doing something new in you. God's doing something new in me. A life in Christ takes on entirely new direction. Proverbs 16, 19. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Those who seek God's destiny begin to ask a different question than most people. Rather than, where do I want to go? Which is more the question that we normally, where do I want this year to go? Where do I want to go? They start to ask a different question. Where is God taking us? And even the parsing of that phrase is important because God is already taking us somewhere. The question is, are we going to go with him? Because he's already on the move in your life. If you're like, I'm just stuck. I'm like, God's not moving. God is already moving in your life. The question is, are we going to join him in that journey? Are we going to do join God in what he is already doing? Or are we going to resist what he is doing in our life and take on a different direction? God is on the move. And so let's begin to ask a new question. Where is God taking us? But I have to warn you and be prepared for this. The route to God's best isn't always the clearest or easiest route. We know that, right? We've, if you've experienced that, this isn't going to be the easiest route all the time. But it is the best route. 
we had a question recently came in and if you don't know we have a, a gym that we run back here and it's like a warehouse just like I mean just raw like I tell you it's just hard work and sweat there's no secret right like this is this is what we do and I had somebody I had a, a question that I had to field for the first time ever that I've never been asked um, through the the feed and somebody asked this question said what amenities do you offer and I just like that like struck me weird and those that are laughing in the room are those that actually go to our gym they like yeah, so amenities really isn't our thing. And I, I just kind of like in my mind, the thing that popped into my mind is we don't offer amenities, we offer results. You know, like that was like, I didn't answer that way. I was more eloquent in my response to them, you know, and like I, I did. Jess is like, you're, and I showed her, my wife, my response. She's like, that sounds a bit like, you know, you should maybe think. Uh, so I rewrote it, you know, like she's more eloquent than me. Uh, but, but that's the thought that I has. like, it's interesting because like, and, and we laugh, but the truth is we all like our amenities, don't we? We like, we like the comfortable. We like, when it comes to church even, we're like, hey, what amenities do they offer? Like, you know, what, what does that look like? Or when it comes to our life, we're always looking for the, like, okay, what amenities does this, does this place that we're going to stay offer? What is, you know, and so if we're constantly, we've been constructed to think that way, right? That we're just all about the amenities. And so, but when it comes to our spiritual journey, we have to unlearn that kind of thinking. We've got to stop wanting the amenities more than anything else because if we want the amenities more than anything else, we're going to miss out on the actual result of what God wants to do in our life. We're going to undermine that. That's why God says if anyone wants to find his life, he's going to lose it because there's some things we have to lose and leave behind and get beyond if we want to take hold of God's destiny for our life. Can you imagine if the disciples had posed this question to Jesus? Uh, gee, yeah, I'm going to make you fishers of men, and uh, that sounds great, Jesus, but what amenities does that offer exactly, you know? What, is that, is that going to be, you know, what, what's, what's our journey going to be like? Are we going to, and Jesus is like, you know, I, I don't even have a place to lay my head, people, you know? So, so be thinking about that. And so what if the right direction isn't the easiest direction? What if the true destiny isn't going to be found along the paved path? Instead, perhaps it's, a bit more of a rugged road. If you're looking for a life of greatest amenities, then I'll just tell you, I mean, I, I can tell you how to do that. Just keep following the crowd. That's where they're heading, right? Wherever the amenities are, that's where they're heading. So if you're looking for the life of greatest amenity, follow the crowd. But if you're looking for the life of greatest fulfillment, there's only one person to follow. And that's Jesus. Just go where he's going. Just go where he's going. That's where we find fulfillment. You want to step into your true destiny, you do it by following Jesus one step at a time. There's no magic formula. Jesus, where are you going? I want to go there too. Show me where you're taking me. I want to follow. And this is the essence of faith. Not just knowing what God wants, but actively pursuing what God wants for each and every one of us. Because we're a people that believe that God's vision is the best version it might not be the most comfortable. It might not be the most glamorous. It might not be the most popular, but it is the best version without a doubt. It's the best version for you. It's the best version for your family. It's the best version for our church. It's the best version of our world. And it's up to us to actively pursue it and watch the faithful Father bring it about in us. If you want to experience your new destiny, don't just make a new decision. Move in that new direction that God has for you. Just keep watching Jesus. Wherever he goes, that's where I want to go.
One last story as we wrap up that I think will give us some freedom as we step into this decade. Because one of the things that we think as we think about a new decade is new decade means a lot of unknowns, right? It's like 10 unknown years. Like, how can I get 2020 vision, right, for the next decade? And so let me just speak into that just for a moment as we, as we conclude. Hannah's going to come up and begin to play. And, um, but there was a great ethics teacher named John Cavanaugh, and he was kind of struggling at, at a stage of his life figuring this very question. I was like, what is God's vision for my life? Like, what, what does God want for me? And he's wrestling with this. And so he goes and spends some time with Mother Teresa. He decides he's going to spend three months at her house of the dying in Calcutta and just hoping to, to get direction through that. And uh, he, he was just hoping that God would reveal to him what he was supposed to do and where he was supposed to go. And um, at one point in time, Mother Teresa just asked him, you know, as he's spending some time together, what can I, what can I do for you? Kavanaugh replies to her. He says, pray that I may have more clarity. Just, I just need more clarity. And Mother Teresa responded in this way. She, she firmly said to him, she said, no, I will not do that. He was surprised, and he's asking her, well, Why? seems like an admirable prayer. It seems like the right. I just want clarity. And Mother Teresa said to him, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. Taken aback, he said, but you always seem to have so much clarity from God. And she just quietly, humbly laughed and said, I've never had clarity, but what I have had is trust. I will pray that you have trust. You might not have perfect clarity for the next decade, but what we can have is trust, knowing that when we trust in God, the best is yet to come. The best decade is ahead of us when we put our trust in God. 2020 vision is not about seeing with perfect clarity. It's about putting our life in the hands of the one who does. God has perfect clarity. He has perfect vision for your life. May we trust in him. It's not about seeing our life with perfect vision. It's about seeing God more clearly, trusting him more fully. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That's a promise that I want to hang my life on. So let's trust in God with the next 10 years, leaning on his understanding, submitting to him in all of our ways. Because if we trust God, we won't just be 10 years older at the end of this decade. We will be 10 years wiser. We will be 10 years stronger. We will be 10 years more spiritually mature. We will have 10 years of, of more vital relationships. We will have, we will be 10 more, the 10 years closer to God's destiny. We will be 10 years more the person God has imagined we can be. Trust in God. Let's just pray that, that we could do that now. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for a new decade, which just signals to us a new opportunity. We can't wait to take on this decade, God, with you by our side. We can't wait to trust you more and lean more fully into your understanding. God, allow us to submit to you. We just pray, God, that you would prosper us as individuals, that you would prosper us as a church, God, in the way that only you know how. God, help, us our, help to just stir our imaginations a little bit. You are an imaginative God, and so we want to imagine you for more, God. We want to ask you to do more in our lives, in our family, in our church. And God, we're just boldly praying that and asking that now. As we sing out this last song, God, I just pray that you would Help us to lean into you and set our focus on you. 2020, here we come.
can't wait to see what you have in store, O oh Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.